Hello and welcome to episode dot dot dash 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 of series two of the Decade Podcast. The podcast takes an in-depth look into the 2021 project started by comedian Mark Watson. I'm your host Chris Jack. I'm a little bit like Mark. I spend many an hour wondering whether I look better in my glasses or without. A waste of time though. I'm far better looking when I've got my contacts in. But you've got to wear glasses sometimes just to give the fans a little something back. You know who you are. Today's episode, we're talking with Lucy, who talks about her health, crosswords, and how it felt joining Decade as a relative newcomer. Please enjoy the Decade Goals of Lucy. Welcome, Lucy, to the Decade Podcast. It's lovely to have you here. Hello, thank you for having me. How are you today? Uh, Not too bad. Could be better, but definitely could be worse. The first thing we ask people to do is to introduce themselves. Okay, so I don't have a huge amount to say in this, <laughs> uh, but I'm I'm Lucy and I'm 26 and I'm from Glasgow and I'm a part-time maths PhD student, if anyone wants to know that. And, and that's really all. I've got a cat and I've got a tree frog, which is my go-to fun fact about myself. And that's kind of it. You said you didn't have anything else to say and then you've got a tree frog. Yeah, I got a tree frog. Well, I got two, in fact, when I when I was uh, fourteen, a quirky fourteen-year-old, and that has been the interesting thing about me ever since. So that's yeah. So one of them died a few years ago, but one's still going strong at twelve years old. So yeah. how long do tree frogs live? Yeah, they usually say up to sixteen years. So I can't just go down the pet shop and get myself a tree frog, can I? You might well be able to. I ordered it on out of them as was. I ordered them online came in the post to Dobie's garden centre and we went and picked them up. And they came they genuinely came in a wee box. We opened it up and there so were some frogs. I'm blown away by it. tree frog as in the little green ones with red 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 paws. No, not paws? not as cool as that. That's red eyed tree frogs. These are white tree frogs which uh, come from Australia. And they're just like green tree frogs. They're called white tree frogs. Uh, but they they're still pretty cool. It's amazing. I, I'm still quite blown away by the fact that you can go online and order a frog from Australia. It doesn't come all the way from Australia, but yes, an Australian frog, yes. Yeah, and to be honest, you can order more than that. There's a there's a site called exoticpets.org or something like that, and you can order uh, tarantulas and sometimes like millipedes and stuff like that as well. So there's an awful lot that you can just order online. Well, I know that to be the case, but I'm assuming this isn't the black market of exotic animals and this is completely legit. No, I think this is pretty legit. Like, I don't think they're they're probably not allowed to import these things anymore, but now they're being bred in this country, I assume. I think so. Uh, so when you said you're a maths PhD, I thought mm. you're playing to the audience here because I know, I know the listeners absolutely love maths, but then you mentioned the tree frog and it's going to blow the audience's mind because there is definitely listeners out there who love any sort of amphibians. Oh, I mean, that that is nice. There's not that many spheres in which I am... A cool person but <laughs> maybe this will be one of them that is the thing about decade everybody in decade is cool that is true to be fair how did you first hear about the decade project okay so a really important thing to say here is that i'm absolutely here under false pretenses because i am incredibly new to decade um i just looked just before we came on the call and i posted my decade goals in the discord on the first of may so that is less than two months <laughs> um, at the time of recording. Um, although I suppose I was sort of looking at it and thinking about it a bit before that. I can't remember when. So yeah, how did I how did I hear about it? How did I get into it? So 
So, I mean, kind of important bit of context is that the last two years for me has been pretty rubbish. I mean, it's been good in a lot of ways, a lot of things to be grateful for, but I've been sort of chronically ill for, I mean, a long time, on and off for a long time. Um, I call it ME when I have to call it anything, but I prefer not to call it anything at all. So yeah, it's, uh, or chronic fatigue syndrome is the other name for it, but sometimes people prefer that because it describes what it is. So yeah, that, that's been a part of my life for a long, long time, just on and off, but it got really bad a couple of years ago. And I had to sort of put, press pause on my PhD and obviously lockdown has just happened, so I hadn't been doing anything <laughs> for the year before that either, and uh, except for working remotely, to be fair, on my PhD. So then 2022 was kind of a bit of a write-off for me. But the only thing in my 2022 that was sort of really great, brilliant thing was comedy, and more specifically Taskmaster. Uh, this is the obligatory Taskmaster reference in the, <laughs> in the answer to this question. Almost everyone seems to do it. So yeah, I really got into Taskmaster. But to be fair, that's not that relevant to this story. It's just that was like, as I say, one of the main things in my life last year. And that sounds like a sad thing, but it's not a sad thing when I say it. It's a happy thing. You know, um, everything else was rubbish, but that was a really, really good thing. So yeah, basically towards the end of last year, I was sort of starting to think I really don't have enough stuff in my life. I need to find more things. So I sort of very consciously went looking for it. Uh, I think I joined Twitter in November 2022, which is a very strange decision. That was exactly when it, it was all you know, people were all leaving Twitter. There were a few people's Twitters who I looked at. Mark Watson was one of them because he's been... I've been a fan of him for a long time, to be fair. Um, not really just from Taskmaster, just mostly from Radio 4 stuff because I listen to a lot of Radio 4 comedy. So for me, the real end to sort of this online world was the Access Festival in January of this year. So that was a whole load of uh, online comedy shows and that was basically the first time... I'd watched any online comedy stuff. I didn't get into it during the lockdowns or anything like that. That was where it started. So from there, it went to found the Below the Line Discord. And then I sort of seen people mentioning decades on Twitter, but I didn't know what it was. And it's been quite reassuring to listen to other people talk about this because I had a very sort of similar experience to some other people of like seeing it and thinking, well, maybe this isn't similar to other people. But I very much saw it and thought, oh, that's that's a cool thing. But I, I don't think that's... I don't know if that's for me. Or I don't know if I'm allowed. That, I've, that was very much the, the thing. <laughs> so it was only, actually, when someone directly recommended a decade to me on the Below the Line Discord that I thought, oh, okay, I am allowed. And that, that was when I joined. And that was quite recent. So you started by sort of saying you came here under false pretenses, um, mm. but I, I don't think that's necessarily true. I, we have a wide range of people that come and talk to me that have uh, a very similar experience to you. They have sort of, oh, what's this decade thing? I'm not quite sure about that. And then joined quite recently and joined part the way through. And that experience, I think, is different again to those people that are here right at the beginning. And I think it's really nice that we're sort of picking people up along the way and then they're using this as an opportunity to kind of set their goals, meet new people, kind of get that more experience. Um, so were you a bit apprehensive in terms of joining to begin with then? I don't know about apprehensive, 
But I think it was seeing seeing that it existed and genuinely not knowing if I was sort of allowed. So it was because you see these things and I just think, I don't like to make generalisations about what type of person I am, but I think some people see something and think, oh, I could do that. Whereas I, I don't think that ever really happens to me except for things that are like in my immediate comfort zone. So I saw it and I think, you know, you don't know if it's like just one group of friends, you know, one group of Twitter friends that are doing this, or that it's all comedians. So, you know, it's even though it's said, you know, it says join any time, and it gives a description, I thought, oh, that, that could work for me. There's still, it's, it's very much like imposter syndrome. There's very much a thing where you think, oh, I, I don't know if I can do that. So the bit I'm apprehensive about is exactly what you've described, that it becomes a bit more of a click and it's just a very small group of people and Mm -hmm. you know it's not opening but I think hopefully once you get past that you do realize that these people that are involved are from all walks of life and have lots of different interests and are very supportive and very open to absolutely everyone yeah I mean I definitely found that and in a way it was almost a surprise because I mean, I'm not a very online person, but I mean, everyone knows a lot of people on the internet are awful. And I've got a very rosy view of humanity in general, but it is definitely true that people behave worse on the internet. It felt so refreshing to go onto a Discord full of people compared with something like Twitter. And part of that, I think, is just, in a way, the sort of closed nature of it. On Twitter, it's much harder to scroll down and just see the stuff you want to see. You know, and it's exactly the same on, like, Facebook and Instagram. You know, you're constantly being bombarded with, with stuff that you you definitely don't want to see. They show you stuff deliberately to annoy you <laughs> on those things. Whereas something like Discord, it is genuinely, it's suddenly like you've been added to a group chat. You know, uh, it's like they are your friends, basically. And it's like, oh, this is actually a group of people and they're behaving like people and it's really lovely. What were your original decade goals? Okay, so I have five. Obviously, as I say, I'm at the beginning of the decade project, essentially, so they might change. But my five things are continue with my PhD. Uh, So I'm part-time, so that'll probably be about six years from now. The weird one, which is write cryptic crosswords, write more cryptic crosswords. I've written one so far and three sort of nearly completed. third one is kind of more personal one to do with my health I need to sort of build up my health as much as I can or manage to work with my health you know work with my condition more specifically the sort of short-term goal is going places so I got into very much the habit of not leaving the house at all because it's very difficult and has a backlash every time so I'm trying to work up to sort of going to the park to start with and just going for a little little uh, length of time that that'll sort of develop as time goes on but you know we'll see how that goes fourth one kind of related to that is develop a better relationship with my health which is more sort of mental health based and the fifth one which i wrote when i realized how i felt about writing all the other ones is not to feel so embarrassed and guilty about everything that i enjoy and everything that i do Because really it was quite overwhelming when I was writing it, I noticed. Especially the crosswords one, right? See, with things, serious things, it's very easy to be like, these are my problems and I, I'm working on them in this way. But with something like crosswords, and to be fair, 
also arguably with my PhD, which is pure maths, it is so far removed from reality, so far removed from anything that could be possibly construed as useful to humanity. So it's stuff like that. It's very, very easy to feel very guilty and very embarrassed just at the fact that that's what I spend my time doing. And I think that's become more of a thing in my life recently. But yeah, I have a lot of guilt around just doing pointless things. I'm going to start with that last one because I think it's it's an interesting dynamic because if things make you happy and they're things that you enjoy, there is this tendency that if they're not popular or not cool, you don't almost want to talk about them. But how is it any different than someone sitting and watching Gogglebox on a Saturday night or enjoying X Factor or having an interest in football? It's absolutely no different whatsoever. If it makes you happy, it's, it, it's something that you want, to, you want to engage in, really. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, I mean, honestly, I've come to the conclusion that, and I think this is very common, I think I just find myself inherently embarrassing. Yeah, and I don't think that's uncommon at all. And I think that it almost helps to think that's not uncommon. And you don't, I don't think I need to get rid of that entirely because I don't think that's... I don't think it's healthy either to say it's really terribly of social self-confidence. There's definitely... I mean, you sort of mentioned shyness already in passing. I have been a very shy person for most of my life. And it comes... It, it's so situation-specific, so it's hard to sort of explain it. Like... I would say I don't think I don't think I'm shy in social situations anymore, but it's sort of transferred itself to online interaction. I find online like written interaction so difficult. I find the opposite is true. I find the online interaction a lot easier for me to deal with than the social interaction. And there's also a nuance for me in the social interaction that I'm quite high up in my job and I've got when I'm in job mode it doesn't matter to me. But when I'm in social mode, it matters to me an awful lot and I'm very shy, particularly when it's one-on-one, particularly when it's a small group. And I, and I tend to overcompensate in those environments for that reason. And exactly the kind of things that you've described around embarrassment, around kind of nervousness, shyness, in terms of actually wanting people to like me and like the things that I do and like the, the things that I like as well. It's very interesting that because so many people seem to have it that way around and I'm sort of exact in fact I'm the opposite of both of the things that you've said because I now find social situations uh, not difficult but anything that's uh, really imbued with like value of you know how I value myself so anything to do with like my PhD or even just other things, like something like my crossword, which I spent months writing, that has so much anxiety surrounded because I, because I've placed such importance on it, you know. Um, even if it's not an important thing like the crosswords, but yeah, but also yeah, online st- online stuff I find so much more difficult. And it's interesting to me how almost everyone seems to be the other way around, because I find in social situations like face to face. I rely so much on like context and non-verbal communication and see when that's gone you sort of you've no idea what to do and you overthink everything and it's when you've got something you've got a message written down and you end up reading it and rereading it until it doesn't make any sense anymore and actually your first instinct was correct because I don't think I've actually got 
bad social instincts. I think actually I've got quite good social instincts. It's just that then if I'm given the time to overthink it, then I really, really do. But I find Twitter absolutely terrifying, for instance, even though I, I don't have my I don't have my real name in there, but at the same time I don't hide my real name in the sense that I put it, my one and only tweets, uh, which was the crossword that I wrote, <laughs> had my real name on it. So it's not like hidden, but you know, obviously people wouldn't really notice that that was me. But yeah, I still find it absolutely terrifying. It, I, it sort of boggles my mind how much some people manage to use Twitter <laughs> because I just can't imagine. But you know, maybe this is something I can work on over the decade project. Then maybe it would be nice to be able to feel that I can just post something in, on the internet and not have my entire sort of sense of identity wrapped up in it, you know. So what's your PhD in? Uh, ah, see, this is very difficult. Um, so it's pure maths, more specifically topology, more specifically not fleur homology. So I don't know if people really understood any of those words apart from maths. I I've absolutely am very aware of not becoming the sort of arrogant person who just says, oh, you'll never understand it. Unfortunately, I do, it's my fault. I don't really have the skills to explain it at the moment. To be honest, I actually thought of this as one of my sort of sub-goals, but I didn't write it down, is I would love to be able to talk about it to people who, or to anyone, to be fair. I'd love to be able to talk about what I'm studying, because I'm still at very early stages in my PhD, so I'm, I'm not doing anything for myself kind of thing. I'm very much still learning what's actually, what's this area of maths actually about, learning the details, what are people actually doing in this area. So that's the stage I'm at. But I'm unfortunately not really at the stage yet, which I probably should be, of really being able to describe it. If you want one word, I would say knots, as in K-N-O-T-S, like knots that you tie. But obviously it's pure math, so it's a very abstract, you know, it's an abstraction of knots. And then you go into the theory of all sorts of things about these knots. <laughs> that's the best I can do. I, I think that's fantastic. And um, I suppose the question I would I would ask is, where do you see your PhD going? Obviously, your goal is to complete the PhD within the 10 years. Is there a second stage to that in terms of the practical application of your PhD in, in a job role? Is that, you know, what, have you, what are you ultimately aiming for? I sort of avoided putting anything like that in the decade goals because it's sort of wrapped up in my health at the moment. I, do, I can't really know where I'll be at any point <laughs> in the future. Um, so I don't really, I didn't really want to make a goal that it would be like, this is my ideal view of what I'd be doing in 10 years because it might well be that that doesn't really happen. But also I'm sort of, I'm very much not thinking about that at the moment. And I think that's quite healthy for me at the moment to not be thinking about that because this is a long time. This is officially five and a half years but it wouldn't be at all surprising or a bad thing if it takes a bit longer than that to be honest I find it hard to even imagine where I'll be in the PhD this time next year so it's very much like I can only see the step right in front of me and I think that's not an unhealthy thing for me at the moment I suppose that's quite a good way of looking at it is you're concentrating on your your PhD and what comes of it will come come of it rather than being so obsessed with oh I've got to do this I've got to do this I've got to get to there I've got to there to there at least you you're comfortable in that environment where 
doing PhD. If it takes longer, it takes longer. If it doesn't, fantastic. See what see what happens. Yeah, and you know, it's um, this sort of ties together how I feel about my PhD, how I felt about my PhD for quite a while, and how I feel about decades. It's been a bit of an adjustment moving on to a PhD from undergrad. If there are other people listening who've been through this, I hope this is sort of relatable, possibly in other walks of life as well, I'm sure. Throughout all of, you know, secondary school and undergrad uni, which for me was five years, you're, you know, that's a big chunk of your life and the whole time there are exams that you're looking towards or even on a short-term basis you've got homework to hand in this week or next week. Maybe especially in something like maths, I think just education generally, it's so goal-based you're always waiting for the time that you can relax. And, you know, that's that's your life for a long, long time. And it's been quite a difficult adjustment moving on to a PhD where, you know, I've had one milestone, they call it a milestone, one thing that I needed to write and hand in in the first year. And now, because I'm part-time, I think the next one isn't for another year and a half. It's a big adjustment to, from, like, I've still got to be studying I'm still doing what feels like very very similar to what I was doing at undergrad. And yet the mindset is so different. I got, you know, over the years you get so used to just working. I mean, for a lot of the year I wouldn't work at all, for instance. I think that's completely normal for undergrad. And then for like a couple of months before the exams maybe, I would work so intensely, do nothing else, and then and then completely relax and not work again for months. It's been very, very strange trying to adjust to the feeling of, oh, actually, I need to, no, I mean, I need to work steadily. You know what I mean? Everyone says it's a marathon, not a sprint. It's this idea that suddenly you need to stop at the end of every day and be not finished. And you need to stop at the end of every week and not be finished. And, you know, even, even bigger lengths of time, there are no milestones that show you how far you've got. Uh, and you need to be able to put it down at the end of the day and do something else and relax. And I'm so not used to that idea because, as I say, I think before I had two modes where either I was not really working or it was exam time and I was always looking towards that date when I was finished. And now that there is there is no date. It's so far in the future, it's so nebulous. It, it, yeah, so it's been quite a difficult adjustment. I would really struggle to work in that environment. I struggle with education anyway, but I, at least there was a structure to you get to this point, you do an exam, you get to this point, you hand in some coursework, you have a break here, and there is an ongoing cycle of you're just getting to the next bit of that program. But the idea that it's a bit more on you and it's a bit more, oh, you've just got to imbue the topic for X amount of time, then we'll check in to see how you are. Mm-hmm. Feels quite an alien environment to me. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, it still feels like an alien environment to me. I don't know how normal that is, but yeah, it's it's a bit like what you were saying. You always think that what other people are doing is sort of mysterious and amazing, and yet I have no idea what I'm doing. Obviously, that might be unusual, but I don't think it's that unusual. I think people generally, they don't necessarily know stuff. You know, and you very much get that in the... Uh, and to be fair, I don't have as much contact with other mathematicians at the moment. When I was on my PhD previously, I had like a talk first year. And you really, really notice how many people just don't know stuff. 
you assume that all these like lecturers and professors really, really know all the stuff. The truth is they know a huge amount that you don't know, but there are, I mean, in, in maths, for instance, they become, I think, so specialised that there are huge areas of maths that they, that they know pretty much nothing about. And a lot of the time, all that you know about an entire area of maths is like a few key words. And you couldn't even, you know, you could probably describe what those words mean and that's it, you know. And that's normal for a maths PhD, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> So how did the crosswords come about? So, I mean, kind of important to say, I've only, I've only finished one crossword so far, but I'll come back to that in a second. So last, I mentioned last year was a really rubbish year for me. And I also mentioned that I, last year, last February, I think, as in 2022, I uh, really got into Taskmaster in a way that I hadn't before. Like I'd watched it a bit before, but I wasn't really that into it. And I started with series nine for no particular reason at all. And in the second last episode of series nine of Taskmaster, there is like a prop newspaper which has a crossword on it. And I looked at that and I thought, ooh, crosswords. I like crosswords. <laughs> and I, th I think that's where it came from anyway, but it may also just have been the fact that I... I really like cryptic crosswords, have done for years. And as I say, I didn't have much in my life last year. So sort of crosswords and Taskmaster were two of the big things in my life, two of the things that actually made me really happy in my life. And they're two things that are very sort of, very silly and sort of a little bit, a tiny bit brainy, but in a completely pointless and completely, you know, completely silly way. Uh, have nothing to do with the real world. And... So yeah, I just kind of associated them in my mind, in my mind and I thought, oh, I wonder if anyone's ever written a crossword about, a cryptic crossword about Taskmaster. And then I thought, oh, I could do that. And so I did. And it only took me about eight months. It was a lot of fun. I've, I mean, like I say, I've been doing crosswords for, I've been solving them for a long time, but it hadn't really occurred to me to write them before. And when I started, I had absolutely no idea uh, how to do it. I know I, I still don't know how other people do it, if you see what I mean. I just found a, a square paper jotter that was literally like an old maths homework jotter from school. And I just started drawing a crossword. And just it just kind of went from there. And I made up a few clues just along the way. And then, yeah, and then, it, yeah, as I say, it took me a very, very long time. But that's partly because I wasn't, I had absolutely no reason to actually be doing it or to finish it. I just sort of, it was, it was absolutely a hobby. It was a very sort of pure hobby and that I wasn't doing it for any reason. And honestly, that in itself was a big deal for me. It feels to me like there's, before that, it'd been a very long time since I'd actually done something like creative that was just a hobby. You're almost enjoying the pursuit of it rather than the actual end product itself. Yeah, although it is a bit of both. Yeah, like I say, it was almost a bit of a revelation to be like, because as I say, I was in a really bad place. I have a chronic condition that makes it very difficult for me to do anything. And last year I wasn't, uh, I wasn't studying or anything like that for the vast majority of the year anyway. And it was very much a feeling of like, oh, I can do something that involves using my brain and 
it has an end product, even if that end product is something very ridiculous. And yeah, so it was it felt sort of very healing to find that I could do something like that. And I think it is partly the sort of the silliness and the the fact that it has nothing to do with the real world, that is part of it. And I've never been someone who really engages a lot in serious things, to be honest. But there is often a pressure to engage a lot with the real world and to even when you're engaging with fiction, to make that sort of heavy or important or worthy. Which, I mean, I do think those things are important, but something like Taskmaster that is so far removed from the real world, it's just, it's so refreshing. It does feel really healing. As someone who was very much in need of giving my brain and my emotions a rest. It was a really big deal to feel like, oh, I'm actually sort of allowed to do this. Yeah, I can enjoy doing this, you know. It almost doesn't matter that it's not, as you could describe it, in the real world. Yeah, I know it's, it's interesting because I think, I mean, there are two things I want to say about this. One is that there's a temptation when you've got something like an illness, there's a temptation to keep thinking about it all the time because you've got to manage it. And it was a bit of a revelation to me to think, actually, sometimes I can feel better by not thinking about it. And that's something I'm still working on, to be honest. That idea of you don't always have to solve it, you don't always have to work it out, you don't have to manage it to the nth degree. Like Sometimes the best thing you can do is not think about it at all and think about something completely else I have to say the other thing to mention about that was that for quite a long time I thought well I'm never going to show this to anyone because I found it so embarrassing (laughs) as I think I might have mentioned before I really underestimated how embarrassing I would find it to share it with anyone Uh, even I originally gave it to my mum for Christmas and even that I found really embarrassing but like sharing it on Twitter was awful that was a real ordeal um even though it's also made me very happy like I, I'm very very glad I did it and have you got future crosswords planned yes I've got one grid that I finished last summer which is not Taskmaster themed and then I've got two more Taskmaster ones series 14 and series 5 <laughs> which the grids are now completed as of quite recently but I've probably only done about a third of the clues So it just depends when I sort of get around to really finishing it. Even though you've just started your goals, have they changed at all over time or do you see them changing in the future? I suppose it's easier to say, how do I expect them to change? And I, and my answer to that is, I absolutely expect them to change. And not only that, but I want them to change. Because I, I like the idea of being a slightly different person, even in, say, two years' time. I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want them to stay the same too much. Uh, and I, th- I thought that as I set the goals as well. The thing about Decade, even though it's about, obviously the whole point of it, is setting goals for 10 years' time, to me, it feels more like the ethos of it is about doing things now. And I feel like that is kind of backed up by, kind of backed up by what some other people have said on the podcast. Uh, and just the, the way that I feel about it and the way that I feel like other fe- people feel about it. People have talked about like the sense of accountability or the fact that 
you know, if it weren't for Deku, they wouldn't have done certain things, that it sort of gave them that push to do things. It feels to me more like it's about doing things now. And I was very conscious, sort of in that vein, I was very conscious when I set the goals of not wanting it to turn into a sort of waiting for eight years to be up. So to me, it's more about what are the things that I want to be doing this year and next year rather than where do I want to be in 10 years time that might just be because for me that's quite a scary prospect but I think also psychologically I don't want it to be a sort of waiting game of like oh right in in eight years that's when I'll be the the person I want to be I would rather focus on like what I'm doing now if that makes sense that's not a way I've particularly seen decades so far a lot of the you know, messaging around decades certainly to begin with was, don't worry about now, you've got the whole 10 years. Yeah, I suppose that's true as well. But interestingly, by having the whole 10 years and talking about that whole 10 years, it has given you the impetus to address some of those goals in the now, rather than waiting for 10 years. So, so the intention is, it doesn't matter, it takes 10 years. But actually, by saying that, you're sort of addressing some of the things now so it doesn't have to be 10 years i'm sure i mean everyone will have different ways of, I, I am slightly worrying that my answer was actually just deconstructing the entire idea of decade <laughs> and just saying that this is not this uh, this is not how it should be i'm just going to remake it in my head <laughs> you have blown the de- decade discord wide, wide open i mean people are going to be talking about this for years to come there's going to be reddits on this i mean it's not something i i've ever really con- considered about Giving yourself longer has empowered you to do things quicker. Focusing on the long-term planning almost allows you to see what steps you can do now. In eight, ten years' time, I don't want to be waiting to do what I want to achieve now. That is a really positive mindset to be in. Yeah. I mean, the the idea of the waiting thing is a big thing for me. I This would almost have been one of my decade goals, but I didn't really know how to articulate it. I think, I mean, it's a big thing for me because as I've said, I'm not in a great place in my life right now. Partly just because all the stuff that's happened over the last few years, which everyone's had different versions of, it feels like there's been a long time of waiting. I mean, first of all, it was all waiting for lockdowns to be over and things like that. And then for me, I feel like, and a lot of people will identify with this in different ways, feel like I'm waiting to be the person that I want to be. And I think... Uh, yeah, I didn't want decade to turn into a further eight years of waiting. So it was almost more like, yeah, I want to I want to be happy with not necessarily being that best ver- version of myself. I want to be happy with not being that person who suddenly appears at the end of decade. Do you need any help or support in achieving your decade goals? I don't think there's anything in particular that I really need help with at the moment. Obviously, I'm very new to decades still. I suppose what I would say is um, I sort of did this podcast to introduce myself, so to speak. That was kind of my thinking. Uh, and so, I mean, absolutely, people don't have to talk to me. But if people want, if people want to say hello then absolutely feel free to do that. Because I think, or just please keep on existing and posting stuff every so often in the lovely Discord because that is kind of the point of it for me. And it feels, it's so nice to be able to just go onto the Discord every so often and just see 
all these nice little things that other people are doing uh, or big things and just see seeing everyone offering support and yeah for me that's what it's about so I would just say please just just keep doing that it's it's really nice Thank you, Lucy, for joining me on the Decade Podcast. It's been lovely having you. Thank you. It's been very, very lovely being on the Decade Podcast. And thank you for being so nice and so helpful about it. Well, that was episode seven. And what a great episode it was. Lovely to talk to Lucy and fantastic to see that there's still new people joining and setting goals two years into this project. Say hi to Lucy and keep posting those goal updates in the Discord. Also, if you're a Taskmaster fan, What do I mean, if you're a Taskmaster fan? I know you all are. Anyway, please check out Lucy's Taskmaster cryptic crossword. It's really good. Join me next week for episode eight. In the meantime, you're all solid gold legends. (laughs) 